Scripture reading is from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Bible, the 17th Psalm. It is traditional to state that the 150 Psalms were written by King David. That is unlikely and almost assuredly not the case. The Psalms were, those who are specialists in the Hebrew language, um, were written over generations by probably many different poets and many different lovers of God. And in this morning's reading, I ask that you listen from this, to the 17th Psalm, and it's a lectionary reading, and it's Psalm verses 1 through 7 and 15. That's the lectionary reading, verses 1 through 7 and 15. And I want you to listen, if you will, for maybe what you think of the tone, or maybe even the attitude of the psalmist. Verses 1 through 7 and 15. And receive these words from the psalmist, the writer of this hymn. Hear, O God, my good cause. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips that are free of deceit. From you, O God, let my vindication come. Let your eyes see how right I am. If you test my heart, O God, if you visit me by night, you will find no wickedness in me. My mouth speaks no words of sin. With regard to the works of others, by the word of their lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I will call upon you, for you will answer me, O Lord. So incline your ear to me. Hear my words, wondrously show your steadfast love. And as for me, I shall see your face in the morning when I awake. I shall be satisfied with beholding your form. This ends the reading from the author of the 17th Psalm. Maybe to you, maybe to you it's a bit peculiar that I've chosen a psalm for Out of the Shadows. Maybe it's feeling strange to be a part of this series, but Meredith um, spoke about, about it to the children, and you have heard, I hope you've been here, for some wonderful sermons about, well, folk maybe you didn't know. Sherpa and Pua, the Hebrew midwives that Pastor Catherine preached about, Pastor Meredith's words last week about those who are unnamed and unknown to us in the Bible, and lifted up them as well. Well, it was a few months ago that I wanted to preach this sermon after looking at the lectionary text. And I thought, well, perhaps the psalmist, or one of them, might come out of the shadows this morning. But first, at least in my own heart, the psalmist steps to a place I don't love. The reason I attended to preach it a few months ago was because it was actually the lectionary reading. And some of you know that the lectionary is the assigned readings for every Sunday for most churches around the world. There's actually assigned reading for every day. I've never been one to follow it, but I've been encouraged by my colleagues that we might do that more often. And so the assigned reading one Sunday was the 17th Psalm, verses 1 through 7 and 15. That's important. And as I read the psalm, I have to tell you, I was troubled. I was troubled by the tone in my mind of the author, the psalmist. Attend to my concerns, God. Give 
your ear to my prayer, you will answer me. Attend, give, will? I mean, when I was in seminary, I had a professor who taught us the importance of paying attention to the prayers in, a, in, a, in the verb in a prayer and to give care to the verbs because the verbs offer us a hint as to how a person understands her or his relationship to God and Christ. Well, I don't know about you, but to me, when I've always read that psalm, it sounds as if, well, the psalmist is God's supervisor, or at least God's equal. The words to me felt like commands, instructions for the divine to follow, attend to my needs. Yes, God, you will answer me. It is to me off-putting. That professor I had, however, also taught us that when you read a psalm, to remember that they were probably written by a variety of individuals in a variety of settings and places. And to think of reading a psalm as if you were going for a long walk with someone new. The psalms are an invitation to greet and meet a person of faith. But I tell you, when I read the 17th Psalm, verses 1 through 7 and verse 15, I thought to myself, I hope I never have to sit next to this person on a plane. The more I read, the less I liked. If you test my heart, God, you'll find nothing wrong there. My steps have held fast to your path every day. They've never slipped Wow. I mean, his words remind me of the person, gosh, 20-some years or so ago, after we used a series of prayers of confession during Lent, who on the way out said to me, you know, Rich, I don't like those prayers. I don't have anything to confess. Wow. And I was just as skeptical of the psalmist as I read the psalmist's words, because it feels like, to me, just a presumptuous piece of prose. I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but the author of the psalmist even says to the Lord, give me your ear. I mean, it sounded to me as if the psalmist is speaking to God as if God is an inattentive spouse unwilling to put down the newspaper to talk. I'm talking to you, God. By the way, I'm talking to you, God, or I'm talking to you, dude, if I say that, is not biblical compliments. I'm just saying that, so. But then, then, there's just a slight, a slight crack in the armor of the psalmist's arrogance. And as Pastor Catherine reminded us a few weeks ago in the call to worship, it's, it's the cracks that sometimes let the light in. And it appears in the last couple of verses the psalmist writes, incline your ear to me, God. Wondrously show me your love. And with those verses, there is sort of an incremental change in the author's tone. Incline is very different than give. And wondrously show your love feels so much more worshipful to me, at least, than attend to my needs, dude. Dude is not biblical again, just checking. Yet as quickly as we see the psalmist's humility begin to open up, it slams shut. And the light of humility seems to be snuffed out. 
For there in the last verse is when the writer announces to God that the writer will be satisfied to see God's form in the morning. At least the psalmist doesn't add, and please be punctual and bring the cake donuts. I don't like them. Remember the verses that were assigned to read, 1 through 7 and 15, were from a lectionary, right? And someone made the choice that that's what should be read on that Sunday. And I have to tell you, it struck me as strange in my deep annoyance with the psalmist that verses 8 through 14 were left out. And finally, and actually it was quite some time later, I went back to read them, expecting more of the same, like... um, if you find me on the basketball court, you shall find me dunk a thing upon you or something like that. But I didn't find anything like that in 8 through 14. I found nothing like that. What I found is that someone had left a page out of the psalmist's life. Despite this pious self-image, it changes dramatically when we read those missing verses because somebody left a page out of our biblical reading. And you know what happens when you try to do that, right? Surely you've read a story to a child at bedtime and you're really tired. And you think, they'll never notice. I'll pull a couple pages extra. And they look up at you. And they say, um, that's not how the story goes. You, you skipped something. Well, just as a child can feel cheated of the full story, once I read the missing verses from the psalm, I realized I had been cheating the psalmist because I judged him only by the words I had been assigned to hear, by the outward action. I had judged a book by its cover. And I think when you hear them, you'll understand we've missed some important pages of the psalmist's life. I mean, I've done that before, and I know I've shared this with you a couple of times, but I've judged a book by its cover when the person of color was walking down our hallway filthy, and I thought this person was here for a handout. And the gentleman had actually was a ComEd employee who had been down in our tunnels um, fixing the safety of our building, and he was simply looking for a place to clean up. I had left many pages out of that individual's life. I judged him as I judge a book by a cover. And so I think did the person who chose the lectionary reading. Because the missing verses, in those verses, we discover a tone that wasn't arrogant, but desperate and frightened. The missing verses say this, my enemies surround me. They're like a lion eager to ambush me. And he prays that, the God, that God will throw his enemies off and that they might show mercy. He even asks in a sense, poetically, why is this happening to me? Why me? I tried to be faithful. I don't deserve this fate. And then his final words, which I thought were so pompous, I'll see you in the morning, God, were a tragic prayer. It's more likely he was praying, I hope. I hope to awaken and be alive. At least for me, there was a lesson in the 17th Psalm. The lesson is, I think, too often I leave a page out of too many people's lives. 
Maybe I jump to conclusions about them, who they are, what they believe, what they're thinking. Just as I jump to the conclusion about the writer of this psalm or the utility worker in the dirty clothes. I don't know. Maybe it's when we read a newspaper story about a welfare mom and we think, what a crime, what a loser. And we decide how immediately how irresponsible she is. We're probably leaving a few pages out of her life. What about your coworker who drives you nuts because the person always bragging about they've never missed a quota or they know this CFO or that CEO and, and you know what, we're probably leaving a page out of their life as well. I think one of the habits of a Christian life is to try to remember that we often only see some of the verses of a person's life and when we judge someone only knowing part of their story, or to judge someone and not have read verses 8 through 14 in their lives, or to judge another nation or even another religion and not to have read the missing verses, I think that runs counter to Christ's teachings. For it is Jesus who does see the missing verses and chapters in each of our hearts. Christ sees in the welfare mother the pain of poverty, the desire to be loved, and have something of value in her life. Christ reads between the missing verses behind the boasts of an arrogant co-worker and sees the strain of loneliness that often infects competitive settings. So I wish to suggest to you that one of the practices of Christian living is for us to try to follow Christ's example and to seek to hear or read or consider the missing verses in the lives of people whom we judge. For Jesus calls us, very simply, to love one another as he has loved us, which means that includes verses 8 through 14. We are called to search and be open to the missing verses in people's lives and then to pray really pray that others will do the same for us. I think they call that grace. Amen.